Nancy Lee DeMoss made these insightful observations about the difference between pride and brokenness. She says proud people focus on the failures of others. Broken people are overwhelmed with the sense of their own spiritual need. Proud people have to prove they are right. Broken people are willing to yield the right to be right. Proud people have a critical fault-finding spirit. Broken people can forgive much because they know how much they've been forgiven. Proud people don't think they need revival, but they are sure everyone else does. Broken people continually sense their need for a fresh encounter with God. Convicting, isn't it? Are you full of pride or brokenness? I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. I'm sure you've heard the expression, rules were meant to be broken. Don't believe it. Hello, welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, the pastor of Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, we may sometimes break God's rules, but the one thing we can count on is that he never breaks his own. Today, Ron shares two unbreakable rules of God as he continues his teaching series, Standing Strong. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Daniel chapter four, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Heaven Rules. Now to Daniel's interpretation, and we pick it up in verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, again, his Babylonian name, he was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. And the king answered and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. And Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. In other words, king, this is not good, and it's not going to go well for you. you. You may wish this to happen to your enemies, but this, this is not good. Verse 20, the tree you saw, which grew and became strong so that its top reached the heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in which was food for all under which beasts of the field found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king. It is you who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. And let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. Well, this is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you. Here it is again. Till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, 
and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins. He gives him a little instruction here. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. No wonder Daniel said, King, this, this isn't going to go well for you. Uh, this dream that you have is a prediction that, that you personally are about to fall. Now, the old saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, there wasn't anybody bigger. <laughs> wasn't anybody bigger than King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the reigning mar monarch of uh, the greatest superpower, the greatest empire on earth at this time. But he was full of himself and full of pride, full of, uh, full of arrogance. Uh, at least three, even four times in this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar is reminded that it is the Most High that sets up kings and brings them down. How dare you, Nebuchadnezzar, say, look what I have done, okay? No, heaven rules, even though you're the greatest king and the greatest ruler on this earth. Uh, don't say, oh, look what I've done. Don't say, I've pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, you know? And look what I've done, world. Oh, that'll, that'll get you a visitation from God because He opposes the proud, the Bible says, but gives grace to the humble. I, that's, that's really startling. I, I don't want to be on the opposing side of God, the opposite side of Him. But the Bible is clear that God hates pride. Now, there are two kinds of pride, just like there are two kinds of cholesterol, right? You've been to your doctor, your cholesterol is high. There's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol, amen, right? Okay, doctors, am I right on that? Likewise, there's good pride and bad pride. You can have pride in your kids, you know, you're really proud of what they've accomplished. Uh, you can have good old American pride, pride in our, you know, flag-waving America here. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's kind of good pride. Unless that pride leads you to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, to think that you're better than other people, now we've slidden into the kind of pride that is not a virtue but a vice and the kind of pride that heaven opposes and stands against. And heaven has had enough of prideful, boastful, look at me, worship me, Nebuchadnezzar. Sent the guy a dream and said, Nebuchadnezzar, you're coming down. But I, I, I love verse 27, how there's just, there's just a little, little measure of grace there. Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, he says, break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Before the dream becomes a reality, Nebuchadnezzar, here's one last opportunity. He basically says, Nebuchadnezzar, repent of your sins, practice righteousness, and show mercy to the oppressed. And if you do that, Maybe the God of heaven will, will put a stay on this dream becoming a reality. Well, that's the interpretation. We go from the interpretation now to 
the king's fall and his humiliation, beginning in verse 28, it says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, keep in mind, he's writing a first-person narrative here of what happened to him. The king wrote this. Let me just pause and remind you, this is his personal testimony. Have you written out your personal testimony? When you're sharing your spiritual journey with people, do you have a testimony that takes people through how God got a hold of your heart and turned what might have been an otherwise prideful, arrogant self into somebody who was humble enough to come kneel at the foot of the cross? Do you have a testimony like that? That's what we're reading here. Nebuchadnezzar goes on and says, at the end of 12 months, now think about that, 12 months had passed from the time they got, Nebuchadnezzar got the interpretation of the dream, another indication of God's grace. Twelve more months passed. Never presume upon God, though. Never presume that you're going to have another day. But God is a God of mercy, and He extends grace, a time, a grace period for Nebuchadnezzar to respond, to repent of his sins, to practice righteousness, and to show the oppressed mercy. But 12 months passed. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? What a prideful, arrogant, boastful statement. Circle the first-person pronouns there, I and my. Nebuchadnezzar says, look what I've done. He takes a walk out on the palace balcony, looks around, and he says, look at great Babylon, and look how great I am. You know, you don't have to be the king of a major world empire to think of yourself as an empire builder. Maybe it's that business you're building, and you're... you're you're wanting to build an empire, an empire to yourself. You wouldn't say it that way, but maybe in your own self-talk it sounds something like what Nebuchadnezzar said here. Kind of reminds me of um, William Ernest Henley and a line from his poem Evictus, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. No, you're not, and neither am I. But it's easy to think that way. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. Look what I've done pulling myself up by my own bootstrap. If you only knew where I came from. We're not that far from Nebuchadnezzar. Pride rules its ugly head within the human heart. That's why it's number one on the list of six or seven things that God hates. And He opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Well, we're living in a very unique time in world history, and we're grateful to see God using Something Good Radio like never before. And as you're able to support the ministry this month, we want to say thank you with a special gift of our own, the complete audio download to the series you're hearing now, Standing Strong. That's Standing Strong, a seven-message series from Dr. Ron Jones. And for a limited time, 
our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245 in Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now let's join Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Heaven Rules. Verse 31, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know, here it is again, until you know that the most high rules, he rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. What a, what a fall. The rise, the fall, we'll get to in a moment, the eventual rise again of King Nebuchadnezzar. Bigger they are, the harder they fall, and Nebuchadnezzar fell hard. He was banished out into the wilderness somewhere. I don't know how long seven periods of time were, but it's referenced several times here in the text. Long enough for the king to grow his hair long and for his nails to be like the claws of birds. Take some time for that to happen. And he had lost all reason. His mind was no longer sharp like a human. His mind was like the beast of the field. And this was Nebuchadnezzar. You just wonder what people were saying about it. What, whatever happened to this king? Well, he had to learn a lesson that God is able to humble those who walk in pride. Verse 34, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. And my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and He does according to His will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say to Him, what have you done? All right, we're back to giving Nebuchadnezzar an A in theology. Sounds like he's learned the lesson well, has he not? He says, at the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. What a story! The rise, the fall, and the rise again of King Nebuchadnezzar. What do we learn from a story like this? Just a couple things by way of application. I call these heaven's unbreakable rules, and I've already alluded to them. Number one, pride goes before a fall. It just does. Pride goes before a fall as much as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. You can just count on it. 
That is one of heaven's unbreakable rules. Likewise, God gives grace to the humble. It's almost like two sides of the same coin. You choose which side of the coin you want to look at and which side of the coin you want to be a part of your life. Pride goes before a fall, but oh, God gives grace to the humble. And even to the prideful, He gave Nebuchadnezzar chance after chance after chance to to repent, to practice righteousness, to be merciful to the oppressed. Nancy Lee DeMoss made uh, some insightful observations about the difference between pride and brokenness. Listen to this. Proud people, she says, focus on the failures of others. Broken people are overwhelmed with a sense of their own spiritual need. Proud people have to prove they are right. Broken people are willing to yield the right to be right. Proud people, she says, have a critical fault-finding spirit. Broken people can forgive much because they know how much they've been forgiven. Proud people don't think they need revival, but they are sure everyone else does. Broken people continually sense their need for a fresh encounter with God and the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty good, isn't it? It's, it's possible you sit here and say, oh, this is a sermon for somebody else. I, I, I'm not very proud. You know, humility is one of those slippery virtues. As soon as you think you got it, you've lost it. Isn't that true? Beware the man or woman who writes the book, How I Became So Humble, you know, and goes on the book tour. It just doesn't work that way, right? Humility is something you don't see in yourself. But it's something we see in Jesus Christ over and over and over again. I'm going to take you to one place. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And Jesus, being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus had every reason to brag, to flex His cosmic muscles, to come to this earth and say, I'm God! But He didn't. He emptied Himself. He laid aside some of His deity. 100% God, 100% man, but but laid aside some of his his privileges as, as God. Humbled himself before us. Can you imagine that? And God exalted him in due time. The writer of Philippians goes on to say, God exalted him and bestowed him so that the name is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God opposes the proud. He gives grace and He exalts the humble. Are you a proud person? Too proud to come to the cross of Jesus Christ and admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? I hope not. Are you a proud person or a broken person? I leave you just with this verse from Psalm 51 and verse 17. This from King David. Uh, it took David a year to confess his sin with Bathsheba. 
But when he did, in Psalm 51, he writes, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. God despises the proud, hates pride. The arrogance that would lift oneself up in his or her heart, higher than the Almighty Himself. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Now, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Anybody broken here today? Any, anybody need to learn from the lesson of King Nebuchadnezzar? Anybody here too proud to come to the cross of Christ and admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? A Savior who says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle in spirit, and I will refresh your soul. Come to this humble Jesus who possessed all power, all glory, and all honor, but loved us enough to humble himself taking on the form of a servant, clothing himself in human flesh. Oh, the humiliation of God to be clothed in the dust of the earth because he loves you and he loves me. And he invites us to come to faith in his son today. What about you? Are you broken today? God humbled himself to die for you. Will you humble yourself so that he can live through you? Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good message, Heaven Rules. Ron, let's talk a bit further about pride and humility. You've covered a lot of ground on the subject already, but it's such a vast subject and such a critical one as well. I thought you might have something to add that you weren't able to cover in today's message. You know, Brian, I've said this before, but today is a good time to share it again. Humility precedes virtually every blessing God gives to us. Today, I mentioned that salvation requires humility. We have to admit we need a Savior, and that takes a humble attitude. What follows salvation is the process of sanctification, a lifetime of being conformed more and more into the image of Christ. That takes humility as well, because obedience precedes spiritual growth, and humility precedes obedience. Think about this, Brian. The very first demonstration of human pride took place in a garden, the Garden of Eden. Man chose his own desires over God's, and then thousands of years later, the greatest example of humility we've ever seen also took place in a garden. That's when Jesus chose God's desire over his own. Two gardens, two choices, two vastly different decisions. The prideful decision led to sin and death. The humble decision led to life. Not only eternal life later on, uh, but the abundant life that Jesus promised uh, right here and now. And it begins when we humble ourselves to the point of saying, not my will, but thine be done. So let me encourage you today, friend, find your garden of Gethsemane. Identify the thing or things that you desire, your goals, your aspirations, even your most sinful desires, then go to God and tell him those things. Because when you forsake your own will, your own desires, in order to obey God, that is when you'll begin to be blessed far beyond anything you could ever imagine. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts from today's message, Heaven Rules. 
Well, coming your way tomorrow, the next message in Dr. Ron Jones' series, Standing Strong. Ron, tell us what you have planned for the next two days here on Something Good Radio. Well, Brian, my next message will sound familiar to those who have been following this current series on Daniel, because what we see in Daniel chapter 5 is eerily similar to what occurs in Daniel chapter 2. Now, if you remember, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in Daniel chapter 2. Years later, in chapter 5, his grandson, King Belshazzar, has a vision, and it was quite an alarming vision, every bit as troubling as the dream Nebuchadnezzar had years earlier. In both cases, the wise men of Babylon uh, cannot interpret what the king has seen, and in both cases, Daniel is called upon to help. That's where we're headed in the next couple of days as I continue my teaching series, Standing Strong. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, The Man Who Could Not Be Bought. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.